It's an honor to be sitting here with community. Uh, you know, we've had some programs here at the Commonwealth Club, and they range from political conversations to arts, culture, to, you know, yeah, a lot of different topics. So if you're here for the first time, thanks for being here. We'll go ahead and get started with our esteemed panelists. And the first question goes to Supervisor Mandelman. Oh, oh no. I'm sorry? Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> I was hearing you, you, you're always prepared with an answer. I love oh. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, why is the census important for the government, and uh, what does it help accomplish? Oh, it's it's very important, boys and girls. Um, it... Uh, so this has been this week has been a super unpleasant civics lesson, I think, for all of us uh, watching the impeachment hearing. But um, I think we all know that uh, we have uh, a highly undemocratic United States Senate where two people um, are elected from each state, no matter how big or how small. Um, but our House of Representatives is supposed to be reflective of the people of the entire country. And so each state uh, gets an apportionment of representatives every 10 years that is based on the census and it is based on the number of people in that state. And you know that California right now has the largest congressional delegation because we have the most people. Um, and so when uh, you know Democrats, say, are trying to put together the votes to elect the Speaker of the House of Representatives, say, Nancy Pelosi... Um, it helps when everybody in, San, everybody in San Francisco, but everybody in California is counted. Um, and if everyone in blue states is, you know, if we don't count every last person, um, there's always the risk that, say, other states could pick up more representation at our expense and so that our values and the things that we care about would go um, underrepresented in the House of Representatives. So... Um, that's pretty important. And then locally, um, also every 10 years, there's a redistricting process where the um, supervisorial districts are redrawn, um, something I care a lot about, um, and to, ac- to account for changes in population. So, you know, I think we all know the city's changed a lot over the last 10 years. There's, you know, 100,000 more people, and we want to be able to accurately draw those supervisor district lines next time so that each district is fairly represented. That can't happen if we don't count everybody. So those those things, those are probably among two, um, two of a number of reasons why it's really important to count everyone through the census and why San Francisco, you know, invests $2 million, $2 million plus each year, um, each this year in trying to get uh, resources to community to get the word out that everybody needs to get counted. Thank you. Next question is for Claire. So although the census is important for political representation, uh, just as Supervisor Mandelman had mm-hmm. discussed, many communities, including LGBTQ communities, feel that they're not ac- accurately reflected in the census questions. And so there's a whole lot of talk about this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, leaving out you know, I, uh, sexual orientation, gender identity mm-hmm. in the actual census. How are LGBTQ people counted in the census? That's a great question. And, you know, I think that LGBT folks, in terms of our identity, that part of ourselves is really left out of this process, which is, you know, really unfortunate because we know that nationally and historically LGBT data has been, you know, so abysmal. 
Um, but I think what's really important to highlight around this is that, you know, despite the fact that our identity may not be counted, our individual count and the aspects of being able to be part of the change of the future, to be able to say that I'm being counted because um, I'm going to use my power to make a difference. I'm going to use my power to vote in the 2020 election. I'm going to use my, my power to choose what I put as my gender on the form. Because what we found, and I actually found this out this week, um, which was kind of horrifying to learn, is that the census, not the Census Bureau, because they actually wanted to add gender identity question, is that even if you skip the gender question, which we kind of worked in the last census to, to kind of use as a statement against not having inclusion in the form, there's an algorithm that will actually decide for you um, your gender. Hmm. Yeah. So that being said, I would have loved to be able to give you all the advice to just skip the question, which you can. Um, but if you want to have more choice in terms of what's used, um, then you can also answer the question. Um, the other place where I feel like there has been some change, and again, the Census Bureau has been advocating for these things, but because of the current administration, these things were removed, um, is that if you're a single person or you don't live with your partner and you're LGBT, that won't necessarily be counted. But you know, if you're in a partnership and you live with your partner, that identity will be counted. So again, we won't be able to use this information to determine how many LGBT folks are in the Bay Area, but what uh, we will be able to determine, as uh, Supervisor Mandelman identified, is how many of us are here, how many of us came from other parts of the country to be a part of a city, a state where we felt more included, more welcomed. Um, and for all of those reasons... Even if our full selves are not identified, we need to be counted. I'm really curious about that algorithm. I mean, yes. you know, what are they looking at? Are they looking at your name or looking at... Anyway, I know we won't get into the nitty-gritty of that, but that, that's, a, an hour. <laughs> that's a big question, yeah. Um, this question is for anyone on the panel. Uh, so if you feel very strongly about the question, go ahead and, and answer it. Uh, given that the census doesn't fully encompass or acknowledge the complexity of our identities, not just in terms of sexual orientation and gender identity, but also in terms of race, ethnicity, and other identities, what would you say to LGBTQ people? Why should they care about the census? Honey, want to start? Do I want to start? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Why should LGBT people care about the census, given yeah. all of their other identities and all of the other things? Well, I mean, I think uh, LGBT people oftentimes are, um, especially if they're 
uh, LGBT people of color, if they are trans, um, if they are seniors, if they are HIV positive, are dealing with multiple levels of oppression. And multiple mm-hmm. levels of oppression oftentimes means that you, you know, are going to struggle and you're going to need resources in order to survive and make it through life, make it through the day. And so I think it's incredibly um, important to realize that a lot of LGBT folks do rely on the resources, some of which are f- uh, funded through um, uh, federal f- federal funding, um, which a lot of that comes uh, based on data gathered in the census. So I think it's incredibly important that we are counted so that um, we can continue to get the services that we need in the community. And maybe, this not, am I on? Um, so just maybe to add to that, I think uh, th- there's $675 billion um, in federal programs that get allocated based on population. And so whether it's Section 8 or CalFresh or um, uh, SNAP, the, form- the food stamps program, um, I think one in five LGBT families is uh, receives SNAP. Um, so there's a myth of queer affluence. It's, you know, been disproven in many different ways. Um, but you know, there are many, uh, queer people who rely on these programs. And so we need to have California's true population reflected so that we, you know, get our fair share of all of these federal programs. Yeah. I would just add, you know, to that piece is, you know, the concept that, you know, gay affluence and so forth impacts our whole community is untrue. And, you know, if we look at our trans community, for instance, or gender nonconforming folks, we're 10 times more likely to experience homelessness. Uh, We're three times, you know, more likely to be unemployed. So it's really important when we think about this is that, you know, we are talking about all of our residents, all of our families, um, and making sure that the benefits that we all deserve, um, if you need them, can be accessible to you. Anyone else want to add to that? All right, we'll move on to the next question. And the question is for Commissioner Ruiz. You're an immigrant rights commissioner with the city, and you're open about being an immigrant yourself. Um, this is a really important question. I mean, what would you tell people who are afraid to do the census, especially immigrants? Siempre ha habido miedos. Cuando hablan de miedo, regreso 10 años hacia atrás. Yo no fui contada igual por el miedo que teníamos. Y ahora más con esa pregunta que puso la administración de Donald Trump, que si eres ciudadano o no, eso causa demasiado miedo en la comunidad. Entonces eso hace que no que no seamos contados y contadas. ¿Qué pasa con eso? No, no tienen suficientes fondos las ciudades como para escuelas, hospitales, carreteras, todo eso. Y también otra cosa es que si una persona del census llega a tu casa y viene y intenta compartir la información, toda la información que dan es privada, no va a ninguna agencia. Y si alguien lo, lo comparte con otro lugar, tiene una pena de cinco años en la cárcel y una multa de 250 mil dólares. So, one thing that I always go back to is fear. Um, ten years ago, I was not counted uh, in the census. I did not take the census because I was afraid. We were afraid. And what happens now with Trump is that there's this push to put a question there. Are you a citizen? Are you not a citizen? That's not going to happen. You are not going to be counted. 
in that way. And what happens if we don't take the census is that the funds that are required for, for everyone are not available. Funds for schools, funds for hospitals, funds for roads. Um, the other thing I want to make sure people know is that if someone comes to your home, a census worker comes to your home to ask you these questions, they are not allowed to share that information with outside agencies. Um, everything is private and confidential, and if they do violate uh, your right to, to that privacy, um, there are five years in jail um, as a result of that uh, would be the, the sentence, and also 250 thousand um, dollars as a as a fine and just to be specific about that and I want to put a hard line under the sentence that a census worker or the data being collected cannot be shared with a, 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 another federal agency so let's say if we had this big question of can it be shared with Department of Homeland uh, uh, Services Security or ICE even if it is shared, then that person or it would be subject to persecution, right? Es cierto eso. Yes, that's true. Great. The answer I was hoping for. <laughs> A follow-up question to that is, do you find that the Census Bureau's translations are easy to understand as someone who speaks primarily Spanish? Sí, es correctamente. Las preguntas vienen completamente en español y son muy buenas de entender. Yo en lo personal me puse a leer todo eso y lo entendí perfectamente y también me aseguré cómo, um, cómo llenarlo y que no viniera la famosa pregunta de que si eres ciudadano o no. Pero también quiero agregar algo que no solamente para las personas que hablamos en español, también en línea cuentan con 13 idiomas y por teléfono también cuentan con 15 idiomas. Así que yo hago una invitación a toda mi comunidad latina a que se anoten en el census y no tengan miedo, háganse contar que la ciudad de San Francisco es una ciudad santuario para todos nosotras y nosotros. Uh, so, yes, I did uh, well, go ahead and uh, look at those questions, and they are easy to understand. Um, they're in Spanish. Uh, I read through everything. I wanted to make sure as well that that famous question about citizenship was not on there. It's not. Um, and I also wanted to make sure people know that it's not just uh, Spanish speakers who have this right. Um, there are 13 languages available if you're doing the census questions online. There are 15 if you're answering over the phone. Um, so I really want to put out this invitation to all of my Latino community um, in San Francisco. Don't be afraid. Do the census. Answer these questions. Um, make sure that our, our voices are heard. Uh, yeah, and this is a sanctuary city, so make sure that you're counted because you are protected. Yeah. This question is for Honey. The Census Bureau uses the term hard-to-count communities to describe communities that historically have been undercounted or do not self-report as much as others. For example, people of color, immigrants, LGBTQ people, young people and elders, and probably hardest of all, unhoused people. In addition to working with these communities as a social worker, your work to maintain cultural and historic trans LGBTQ spaces, you work in Supervisor Matt Haney's office, his district, District 6, has the highest number of unhoused residents in the city. 
What do you anticipate might be the challenges of getting unhoused people counted for the census? And how do you think we can get unhoused folks counted, period? That's a good question. Um, District 6 does have uh, the highest number of homeless people out of any other district in San Francisco. Uh, we also have a lot of the um, the most shelters, um, the mo- most SROs, um, a lot of people living in unconventional living situations, living in um, group settings, couch surfing, uh, also people living in warehouses. And so what's great about the census is that you can you know do it by phone, you can do it online. There are so many different ways in which uh, uh, you, do, you don't need a, li- a living address um, in order to participate. But uh, unfortunately, most of the ways that people are being reminded to participate is through their mailing address. And so um, a lot of people, I think, are not getting the reminders that they need in order to participate, especially those people who are most vulnerable and probably um, the voices that need to be counted the most, right? Um, and so it, it is going to take a lot of, I think, effort on the part of the city of San Francisco. Um, So I think those $2 million will be well used towards providing outreach in places like the library, um, to um, people living on the streets, um, to homeless homeless shelters and navigation centers. Um, I think that we really um, need to get our ground game on in order to really make up for that um, lack of communication that they may be facing by not getting mailers. Thank you. Can I add to you? Just also there's going to, you know, the OCA, uh, the department who's spearheading this effort, is doing an amazing job, and their team and our team helped uh, put together this launch event, so thank you all. Um, but there's going to be kiosk as well, and this is just our first event engaging the LGBT community. Um, so organizations who are interested in, um, you know, providing more space if you have a, a meal night or a shelter... Uh, these kiosks can be available um, as well as, you know, there'll be lots of, I think, on-the-ground work with those resources, as Honey mentioned, just to make sure that everybody is counted because not everybody has the same level of access. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Claire. Uh, Question for JoJo. As a member of the Youth Commission, you have a pulse on what young people are experiencing and needing in the city. So we mentioned earlier young people are... Are, are part of or one of the hard-to-count communities. And, in fact, it was the most undercounted age group in the 2010 census. Uh, how do you think LGBTQ young people feel about the census? And what do you think young people have to offer in helping make sure that we all get counted? Thanks for the question. Um, I would say, yes, even though I am a youth commissioner appointed by my supervisor, um, from what I'm saying today on the stage, I can only say from my own experience as well as the experiences I see with my peers in my community. And your question around what do young LGBTQ people feel about the census, I would say we don't. <laughs> we don't think about it. <laughs> like, I don't think I go to hang out with my friends and we talk about the census out nowhere. Be like, hey, have you heard about the census this year? <laughs> like, to be honest, back in 2010, the last census, I was only 11 years old. And I didn't. I didn't learn about the impact of the census till I did become like a member of the city of being commissioner, working with Claire's office, OTI. That's when I truly know the whole entire impact of like, you know, different effects and outcomes of the census and why it's important. I would do say like, you know, young people, you know, young people are that bridge mm-hmm. and the gap between the digital divide as well as language barriers 
of for the families and communities. I could say from my own experience, growing up in an immigrant household, mm-hmm. and my peers, let's say, like we are like the one person who has to translate and interpret for our families and communities. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of work unaccounted for on young people. Mm-hmm. You know, we hold that, you know, the extra labor, the extra thing on top of like work, school, where I'm going to get my next meal, where I'm going to lay my head at night. And I would say, you know, what Claire mentioned around like the kiosks and like, you know, it'll be awesome to see that census be at schools, at community, you know, meal nights and stuff. And, you know, young people, you know, this is our kind of like our only way of like being civically engaged, you know, especially if you're under 18 and such. So, yeah, I think we can, you know, step up as well as adult allies step up for us, mm-hmm. you know, in completing this, you know, census and form. I want to go back to something that Supervisor Mandelman mentioned, which is the amount of money, the amount of federal dollars at stake here. You said something along the lines of uh, 600 and some billion dollars. I actually think I heard uh, from a different interview that I did that that number could actually be $880 billion of federal aid that can um, that should be, you know, if we're all counted, that gets uh, divided up into different resources. And so... To go back to that, and anyone can answer this and add to it, but the the importance of all that money. We listed some of the programs. We talked a lot about access to housing, um, you know, access to to food, to meals. But if you would like to anybody else on the panel to add, you know, that answering that question of and making sure that everybody here understands what's really at stake if we we don't all count ourselves in this census. Well, a lot of times, you know, our ability to build affordable housing relies on federal mm-hmm. federal money, right? And so we are in a severe housing crisis here in San Francisco, especially when it comes to affordable housing. And so if we, you know, are not getting our accurate counts here, that means that we may have less funding to build more affordable housing in the future, which will, you know, directly impact many people in the city, probably cause more homelessness, more displacement. Um, and so it's really important. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, our city relies so much on city services and city funding. Um, you know, just an example, uh, you know, we invest over $3 million annually in, in trans services uh, for local organizations. But if we think about the federal funding that comes in, you know, that's supporting workforce development, small business services, our hospitals, um, you know, uh, HIV funding and so forth. So if we're not fully counted, then just think of what that percentage of funding could be um, and, you know, who's mostly impacted or accessing these programs. So um, I think, you know, we all have a responsibility depending on our level of access, as um, JoJo mentioned, is like, what can we do? And you know, I think it's hard to make the, ses- the census sexy, but I think mm-hmm. we can all do that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it's really important that we also look at, you know, our elected officials and how, you know, our city districts are determined based on this. And as Supervisor Mandelman said, how much have we grown as a city since then? You know, who is our city representing? Um, and we continue to see so many changes here that we want to make sure all voices are a part of that future. Mm-hmm. Great point. I mean, I, I would just say, if you, if you look at the money that the city spends on various 
public problems. A huge chunk of that is money that we're passing through from the federal government that's based on um, based on population. And if you think of the number of queer people who are homeless in San Francisco, mm-hmm. some estimates are that it's you know a third. Um, trans folks, some estimates are that half of trans folks have experienced homelessness. Um, you know, these are queer issues, and the exits are very dependent on on funding that comes from the federal government. And so, getting someone a voucher, a Section Eight voucher that may be the difference between them continuing to be homeless or not, um, you know, that or someone at risk of homelessness becoming homeless, um, you know, those, those are the kinds of programs that are at risk. Anyone else want to add to that? Yo quiero decir yes. algo, regresando atrás, hacia que si, a las personas que van a contar, yo trabajo en un resource center y tenemos mucha gente de la calle, muchos jóvenes, y desde hoy nos estamos pre- preparando, nos preocupamos cómo, cómo los vamos a contar, Y también me he dado cuenta de que hay muchas chicas trans latinas latinas que viven en la calle. Entonces, bueno, hacerles, hacerles saber que no tengan miedo y se hagan contar. No nos va a pasar nada. Así como yo, una emigrante que estoy aquí sentada, hoy no tengo miedo en ser contada. So I do have one thing to add. Um, going back to uh, homelessness, uh, I work at a resource center. We have a lot of folks uh, who come in from the street, a lot of homeless folks. And I want to make sure I acknowledge how many Latina trans women there are out there who are living on the street. Um, And I want to make sure to remind them not to be afraid. I'm here. I'm being counted. I know how it feels. So trust me, this this is going to work out. Great. What about our LGBTQ seniors and ensuring that we reach out to our seniors and and get them engaged to fill out the the census? Um, and maybe, honey, we can we can you can kick off this answer as well. Be, being part of the Stud Collective and still being part of our uh, a very important you know nightlife. And there was once upon a time in which we yes we all did rush to the queer bars to hang out and socialize. And at the same time, that might have changed a little bit. Maybe some of us. Um, are online more, but can't say that that is all of our, our senior community. Mm-hmm. So if you have some thoughts of how we can ensure that our LGBTQ seniors are also counted, love to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think outreach is key. Um, you know, we do have um, some LGBT senior housing that I'll let um, maybe Raphael Mandelman talk about a little bit later. But um, <laughs> we also have we also have um, many uh, senior services, um, senior service centers, and um, I'm hoping that you know there will be outreach done uh, on behalf of the census at those places. I'm assuming as much, but if not, then we should definitely make sure that we are doing that type of outreach and making sure that um, LGBT people know that they, it is safe for them to participate. Participate, especially LG- a lot of um, LGBT seniors. Um, studies have shown end up going back into the closet when they go into the senior center because they feel like it's less safe um, for them there, or they might be feel discriminated against there. Um, and so that is an issue. Um, but hopefully, again, they are getting the outreach that they need in, in those spaces. Supervisor yeah. Mandelman, did you? Uh, want to I mean, <laughs> I I can talk a little bit about you know the the queer senior housing that we have, um, which is largely thanks to uh, collaboration of um, Open House and Mercy Housing, um, where they have successfully d- developed two buildings in um, uh, in Upper Market and. Um, you know, they, they have, I think, between the two buildings, 118 units at this point. Um, 
and we may be able to get another, you know, 50 to 100 online with a, a new acquisition the city's just made. And that's very exciting. Open House does terrific work outreaching to folks um, who are not in those buildings as well. Um, but I think another thing, you know, thinking about sort of our, our housing need, which we plainly are not and have not done enough to meet as a country. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, you know, this census is going to determine funding. It's not for the past 10 years. It's for the next 10 years. And if we actually say, you know, are successful in November and manage to turn the direction of this country and actually create serious investment in um, in resources for poor people, housing for seniors, housing for youth, all the things that, you know, gee whiz, it would be really great to get the federal government involved in solving these problems to a greater extent than they have. That money is all going to get allocated again based on or not all but a lot of it will be allocated based on population and so um you know both it is important it is critically important that seniors be counted and it's also critically important that we get everybody counted so that we get the resources to build more you know senior housing for queer folks and everybody else this is a question and you know maybe answer it like in a in a personal way and what you would say to a friend of yours um or someone in the community that you really care about who are really afraid to be counted, and for a lot of reasons, especially under this administration. And even though you know we mentioned earlier that the data wouldn't be shared with other federal agencies, uh, whether you know you're, you have status or documents or undocumented or LGBTQI, we know that uh, you know, the administ- this administration sure as hell is rolling back in a lot of LGBTQ protections, but. Um, yeah, what would you say to someone that you care about, uh, you know, if they were to say to you, I'm, I'm deathly afraid, I'm super afraid to be counted, to put any of my information on there. Um, and, you know, the other side of it is, I don't know if one of you can answer this, but what they're exactly looking for. They, you know, do you have to present an ID um, and an yeah. address and all that good stuff? Yeah, so... Um I think Jesse spoke to this pretty uh, really well in terms of you know speaking to trans immigrants and trans women. So thank you, Jesse. Um, and you know I think those fears and concerns uh, for for immigrants is, and people of color and LGBT folks are real. I think one thing that I would really share with folks who are worried about that is you know one. Uh, there's no checking or doing any type of, uh, uh, you know, seeing if your answers are valid. It's all based on your self-determination and how you answer those nine questions. Um, so there won't be any, you know, uh, for, for trans or non-binary folks, there'll be no checking of, you know, birth certificates or other uh, information to... Uh, uh, potentially devalue your answers. So I think it really is around this idea of uh, being able to really share who you are um, as much as we can on the current system. And then uh, the other piece I would share is, um, you know, it's okay to ask questions. And, you know, our team, the census team, um, are available, and so if you have specific concerns, um, you know I would say get plugged in and ask. Um, but 
overall, you know, I think it's really helping how do we start to build more trust and take some ownership back in this because obviously there's been a lot of mistrust uh, with the federal government, you know, even just this week, um, you know, with South Dakota um, moving forward with a bill that would criminalize um, healthcare professionals providing for providing um, services to trans youth. Um, and of course, the public charge rule that targets low-income folks um, and immigrants of color. And then just today, six new countries were added to the travel ban. So I can see why people are scared. And I think it's really about how do we take ownership and making the change that we want. And so that the next census really can reflect us. And as Supervisor Mandelman said, that the resources come back into our communities. Anyone else want to add? Yeah, Gojo? I think it's important for like our own communities being, being that ones who are outreaching, because you know, like Claire mentioned, like we don't necessarily trust the federal government, but we do have trust in our community for the most part. So if like a peer, you know, I guess if, I, if a friend came up to me, was kind of wondering about the census, you know, I'll meet them where they're at, and you know, walk them through it, talk with them, you know, plug them into other resources if they have any more questions, because you know. As LGBTQ folks, we're always used for data, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's how we get our money and stuff. But we can make the census a more human thing, mm-hmm. you know. You know we, we're more than just a number. We have a name. We have, you know, our life story and such. And, yeah, that's what I would do if someone came up to me and I was, like, you know, kind of questioning me about the census. Jesse, would you like to add? Sí, a mí me gustaría agregar algo en las trabajar más con el census en las próximas dos semanas anteriores. He estado yendo a trabajar con una persona que está en la parte de atrás, que se llama Robert, y me ha enseñado mucho sobre el census, y lo que más me ha gustado es de que las promociones del census vienen ahora uh, de, con, de familias completas y de papá y papá y mamá y mamá, vienen en diferentes idiomas, y es lo que me ha gustado mucho todo eso. Y me gusta estar trabajando con la comunidad. Cada persona que me encuentro en la calle le digo lo importante que es el census. He estado yendo a diferentes lugares a comenzar a hablarles del census. Y yo voy por la calle contenta con mis flyers grandotes, enseñándole a la gente lo importante que es. I do want to add something. I've been working a lot over the past two weeks with a friend who's in the back, Robert. ¿Verdad, Robert? Um, who's taught me a whole lot. <laughs> Go, Robert. Who's taught me a whole lot um, about the census and some of the changes that have been made, uh, about the fact that you can now, as a family, identify as having two mothers or two fathers, um, that there are all these different languages, um, and that the community is really being represented more and more. And so whenever I walk down the street, I tell everybody about it. You know, every person I run into, um, I go to different places to talk to people about it. I have my flyers. Um, so it's, it's exciting. I, I want people to be excited about this. I'm excited for the census, too. <laughs> I can't wait to go fill it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. See, can you feel it? You feel it? No. We um we will get to all that good information of how you can fill out the census, and uh, we are about that time in which we ask our audience members if you have any questions for our panelists. Hi, I'm Roxanne, and I'm an advocate for trans women. And since this thing is tied to your address, and 
we just saw today that you can commit a crime and get away with it. So there's no no safeguard that the government's really going to keep their word. Can we go to one of the, I guess, they're, I, the last three days they're going to have centers for the quote-unquote homeless that you can go fill out? Can you go there if you're worried about them tracking it back to your home address? That's a good question. Robert? <laughs> Robert here. He will answer the question. Thanks. My name is Robert Clinton. I work at the Office of Civic Engagement and Immigrant Affairs. I'm the 2020 Census Project Manager. I'm not just some random guy who's coming <laughs> to tell you about the census. Uh, so the cool thing about the online census is that there is a box you can check that says, I do not have a street address. And that takes you to a page where you can put in your city, state, and zip code, and then a narrative description of where you live. So if you're a person who's experiencing homelessness, you can write that you live in a park, uh, you live on an underpass, you can write the cross streets of where you live uh, if you kind of live on the streets, or if you just don't want the government to have your actual address but still want the money to come back into your community. So that it opens up the possibilities of who is able to respond and where you can say you live um, if you don't want to give your actual house number. Great. Awesome. Hi, my name is Ray Sweet. I work for the LGBT Asylum Project, um, and I was w- curious about more about the uh, the gender question on the census and how you said that some people weren't responding at all as a way of protest. I was wondering if filling out like both bubbles would be an option, um, and also just more about how we're working to change that and add to that for the next census. Sure, great question. Um, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure the system. Uh, would not allow you to select multiple options. Um, And I'm getting the thumbs up from Robert, so that's a yes. Um, So because of this, we had a conversation with the LGBT task force this week, who is uh, their program director is on the national uh, committee. Um, And so they were able to ask these questions as well. And, so that's how the algorithm piece came in because we were really looking at like what is a way to queer the census or to make sure that um, non-binary folks and trans folks are counted. Um, so there definitely was work um, in in preparation for this census where they actually did test, um, asking a more uh, comprehensive question. Um, but obviously with the current administration, those questions were, uh, tossed out, but I will say that, you know, obviously we have the next 10 years. Um, and so I would love to have you and other folks continue your efforts, um, to talk about why it's important. And, um, I'm assuming, I mean, obviously we'll be in a different place in 10 years, um, and that means also advocating for other ways to collect data on our communities. I mean, I think to JoJo's point, like, yes, there there is oftentimes that feeling um, that there can be a lot of questions asked. But, you know, there still really is no comprehensive uh, national kind of count of LGBT folks. Um, there's the trans uh, national study that happens every year or two or every couple years, um, the task force does some great kind of state-by-state data collection. So, um, And then the other effort is, um, you know, part of the work of my office, uh, the Office of Trans Initiatives, which is the 
first and only uh, trans office in the country. Woohoo! Uh, yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, it should be more, but uh, I will say they. The LGBT Affairs Office in Atlanta just hired a trans woman of color to be their uh, director, which is amazing. Um, so the point was that there is uh, SOGI data collection, sexual orientation, gender identity, that our team, uh, through local policy spearheaded by Supervisor Mandelman and, and Senator Scott Weiner prior, um, that requires all major city departments to collect uh, comprehensive LGBT data um, when, f- when folks engage in programs. And so we actually work with departments to collect those reports annually and then work where there is uh, folks who are underserved to make sure that their grantees and folks where departments are giving money to organizations, that there's improvements um, and that folks are represented. So all of those fun ways we're working on data. So if you want to geek out about it, we can talk about it later. (laughs) And and Claire and her team really have done an amazing job and sort of ushering in this SOGI data collection at the local level because it's not happening on its own. Um, uh, Senator Senator Weiner, when he was supervisor, passed legislation in 2016 to make it happen, but you know, these departments are not actually going to do it in the way that we want them to and that is useful without um, sort of persistent reminders and pushing and cajoling and um, Claire and, and her team are able to do that in a in a respectful and yet insistent way <laughs> um, and you know we've had a couple of hearings so far um, yeah. on data that, that has come out over a couple of years and you know the what we've learned sort of I think prelimi- preliminarily from that data um, is that when you do not focus resources on the LGBT community the LGBT community does not get resources so um, as an example, um, you know, resources targeted to LGBT youth will go to youth who are not LGBT. I mean, they will benefit from it. Um, queer housing or housing directed towards queer seniors will go to seniors who are not queer, but without specifically trying to get housing resources to queer seniors or queer youth, you will under-resource um, uh, queer folks. I'm sure this is true of any minority group, but you really have to make force these bureaucracies to make an extra special effort to reach particular populations just to get them uh, get their needs met in, in, their, in proportion to their um, percentage of the population. And I think that's also why it's so important to have you know, our out elected officials like uh, Supervisor Mandelman and Honey working in Haney's office and our commissioners. So also getting involved in civic engagement, I think, is a really important to make change from the future inside. supervisors, uh, mahogany and tie. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, there really does need to be a trans supervisor like I, you know. Can't keep sending up this this guy to be at this panel. (laughs) Claire for supervisor next. (laughs) Any other questions for our panelists? All right, we have one. Okay, Uh, I'm Barbara from Lavender Seniors of the East Bay. It's a senior group, Um, and I wanted to know that in past census, they would send enumerators out to your homes to if there is a question about what you filled out. Hmm. So are they still going to do this or have they changed the policy or the process by which they clarified how, how correct the 
uh, documents were filled out. Right. So my understanding is that um, if you do skip multiple questions or a series of questions, um, then it is possible that someone will come out to your home to ask uh, those questions or to try to get that information. Um, but if you do just skip, say, the gender question um, or, I don't know, maybe one other, then you would be fine. I think this move to going on digital is part of the effort of to provide more privacy to folks so that you don't have folks come to your home. But if you don't complete it online or in one of these resource hubs, folks will will still be coming to uh, ask folks in person. Robert, is it? Okay, thumbs up. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, my name is Alejandra de la Vega. Um, I work for Instituto Familiar de la Raza, and my question is for Jesse Ruiz. Um, I know a saying, um, me and her, we moved from North Carolina due to discrimination of being transgender women, especially Latinas. And um, coming to San Francisco, we came to find out that um, there's so much more here that we didn't have there. So, Jesse, if you have any recommendation for the other states, especially the trans, um, the census for the transgender community and the Latin community, what would you tell them to do or to um, not do so we can get counted and we're not afraid as we are today? Bueno, lo que yo le diría a las personas, independientemente de donde estén en, en el estado en el que se encuentren, como dijo Alejandra, Venimos de otro estado donde sufrimos demasiada discriminación, a punto de negarnos la entrada a los baños. Pero yo le diría a todas esas chicas trans que están en diferentes estados que levanten la voz y que se noten para el census para que haya más fondos en diferentes ciudades, no nada más aquí en California, en Norte Carolina, Nueva York, en todos lados. Lo único que les diga es que levanten la mano y hagan el census y que se hagan contar. Y no tengan miedo, no pasa nada. So I think independent um, of where you live, uh, of the state, you need to be conscious of this. Um, we did come from another state in which the discrimination was very severe. It was to the point that we would be denied um, entrance into bathrooms. Uh, so I really I think that uh, trans women in other states that uh, not just uh, like North Carolina where we were in, but also here, you need to be able to lift up your voice and be heard and make sure that... Uh, that you're being counted, that, that your story is out there. I want to also just add to uh, Jessie's uh, advocacy. She is part of our uh, trans and LGBTQ fellowship, which will be working within organizations um, to help folks engage in the census. And so I think we also have to look at how are we resourcing our community to do this work. We just can't expect that folks are going to volunteer. And so just want to really appreciate Jesse for her work and all of the fellows um, that are in this program and the board for funding it because, you know, this is an economic opportunity as well. Um, there are lots of uh, positions and opportunities for folks to get engaged in the census, and there are little flyers around. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, obviously, just like anything else, if we see ourselves reflected, um, you know, in the work and in the advocacy um, for the census, then our communities will feel more comfortable completing it. 
my question is for Claire. It's Roxanne again. So I applied for all the census grants, and I was f looking for grants specifically for trans women. And the L's and the G's turned their back on our community from my point of view. And I received grants from the CIS community, but um, my fiscal agent's flaking. So now that grant is probably going to go down the tubes for trans women because the L's and G's won't stand up with us. So I'm asking this for the next census. How do we build enough community and enough resources so that we're not dependent on other communities that are have a history of turning their back on us? Yeah, I'm sorry that happened. And, you know, please feel free to check in with me afterwards to see if we can provide any support with the current situation. Um, but I, I do think that although there is tension between, you know, the trans community and some folks in the broader uh, LGBT community, I think it really is important that we try uh, where we can to do this work in coalition. Um, you know, just as Honey and Jesse and Jojo have mentioned, is that, you know, we're all part of different intersecting communities and... Um, you know, it's really important to recognize whether, um, you know, someone's a trans immigrant or, you know, living in different parts or different parts of the city um, or a family or single or not. Like, you know, we're all part of this San Francisco or this this Bay Area. Um, and so my encouragement would be to, you know, look at who's willing to show up in coalition and lean into that. Um and I think that's kind of been my philosophy, and it typically works out. Folks who don't want to engage with us, you know, hopefully over time, through all the advocacy and work you're doing, you know, that will change. Uh, this question is for JoJo or anyone else on the panel. How might we um, engage youth in a fun and sexy way to get them, like, more engaged and excited to be, participate are there any ideas bubbling up? Yeah, good question. I'm also thinking about that, too. <laughs> As you mentioned, this census is not fun or sexy. But, you know... Except my... for Michelle. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. March 12th, I'm going to be the first March... one. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess from my experience, what, what I see, like, how you get young people involved is, like, two things. Like, food, free food, and, like, some compensation of sort. Mm -hmm. Like, gift cards. You know, that's where, you know, where me and my friends were usually hang out in, like, different community places and centers and stuff, or as well as, like, just simple education around the census. It's not a really accessible thing, like, language-wise, even for myself, who does speak primarily English. But um, when I read the questions myself, I'm also confused. <laughs> the questions are really confusing. There's multiple parts for each question. Even though it's just a nine-question survey, it's still work and labor into filling it out. I would say, you know, for young people, when we do help, you know, folks, you know, with that digital divide, adult allies can help us with, like, supporting us of, like, educating us or like, support us, like, explaining things or, you know, providing a space specifically just to fill it out with food and, like, gift cards or, like, you know, other things. We can, you know, get something out of it. You know, it's a two-way street, you know. <laughs> 
Hi, you guys. My name is Donna. I'm the executive director for Code Tenderloin, and we are actually located in the transgender district. Thank you, honey. Um, but what I wanted to let you know is we're doing the census in a very different way. We didn't get a grant for this, but we know that we love our community. So what we're doing is we're going to have fun, we're going to have music, we're going to have food, and we're going to have a staff full of love and caring to help people walk them through how to fill out the census. So if there's anyone that doesn't feel comfortable going anywhere to fill out that census, they can come to us. We are located at Piano Fight, 144 Taylor Street, and we will be there with open arms, and we'll help everyone walk through that process. Thank you. And you should circle back with the OSEA team on grants, because I think there's some more out there, and you deserve it. Small mini grants for special activations for organizations that are in gaps that have not been properly resourced because uh, we know our communities in San Francisco are super diverse. So those will be small grants for events, for kiosks, uh, to really engage the community and provide the actual technical assistance in doing the form. Awesome. Awesome. And then here I'm going to uh, just list for you the the very, uh, not boring, but, you know, the actually how to, how to do the census because you know, we're excited, right? We're all excited to do this. It's coming up March 12th. So what you can do is pledge to participate. You can text COUNT to 415-340-7170 for census updates and reminders from Bay Area Counts 2020. You do the census. We're all going to do it, whether um, it's in the Tenderloin or the community with an organization, with your friends, your family, or online. Beginning March 12th, you can complete the questionnaire at 2020census.gov. Encourage your clients, coworkers, friends, and neighbors to do the census. So visit the shared Dropbox folder at, this is all, by the way, in this little sheet here, this half sheet, Um, but I'm I'm, going to read it as well at uh, bit.ly slash sfcensus2020 to access flyers, sample emails, and social media graphics and more that you can print, send, or share. Join a census event at sf.gov slash census to see upcoming events and other resources. And then finally, volunteer to support the census. So stay tuned for information on how you can help neighbors do the census near you. Uh, finally, to learn more about the 2020 census and find a census help center near you, visit sfcounts.org. I want to thank all of our amazing panelists, Claire, <laughs> Supervisor Mandelman, Jojo Tai, Honey Mahogany, and Jesse Ruiz. Thank you, incredible audience. Thank you to our partners, OSEA, Office of Civic Engagement and Immigrant Affairs, and of course, Office of Transgender Initiatives, SFLGBT Center, SF Counts, the 2020 Census, the Commonwealth Club of California, and thanks for joining us here at the Michelle Miao Show. Check the full listing of other programs coming up at commonwealthclub.org slash MMS. Have a great night. We'll see you soon.